Welcome back, folks, to the Fourth and Goal podcast. Uh, we're going to start off the show this week uh, by explaining that Taylor is not here this weekend. Uh, it is finals weeks for us, and we are students first and entertainers second. So she will be taking the weekend off to get her studies straight and take some tests. In lieu of that, I have decided to bring on some special guests throughout the show. We're going to have several special guests throughout the show. Um, but as you can hear of the crinkling of wrappers and food in the background, we're going to start off by bringing on my four roommates, Barry Banta, Harrison Cook, Ryan Cook, and Garrett Taylor. Guys, welcome to the show. Well tied. Thank you. Well tied. Appreciate uh, you having us, man. So let's start off. Let's just everybody give them, uh, you know, give your name so everybody knows the voices in here. I am Garrett Taylor. I am currently in Michigan. Unfortunately, I had to come home for break, and I'm not able to be with my roommates down there. So that is Garrett. I'm Harrison. Thanks. Thank you, Harrison. Harrison, what's your last name, dog? Yeah, come on. My last name is Cook. I'm not related to Ryan Cook, just to be clear, <laughs> but we are roommates and boys. Hey, I'm Ryan. Okay. Ryan, what's your last name, dog? <laughs> oh, my name is Ryan Cook. Um, well, I'm not related to Harrison. Oh, your roommates? <laughs> yeah, we are. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Always adding the most to every conversation. <laughs> My name is Barry Banta. I am the fifth roommate. <laughs> All right. So, a little weird, but regardless, we are still here to talk Alabama football. We are still here to talk college football. And with that being said, let's get into our first recap. Alabama going into Death Valley with a little bit of revenge here, 55 to 17. Boys, let's get your first initial thoughts on the game, starting with Garrett. Go ahead. Oh, it was so much fun. Every time they would show Coach O on the sideline freaking out <laughs> over every t every 50-yard touchdown Smitty had, it was so much fun to be an Alabama fan this weekend. Yeah, I, you definitely have to agree with that. Uh, Barry, why, why don't you talk a little bit about what you thought of the game? You know, I think as a whole, we played probably one of our best games this year. I think our defense really minus two or three plays. I think they really came to play. I think emotion was a big factor in the game. I think a lot of the players remember what it felt like last year after that crushing defeat and all the trash talk afterwards that ensued. I think that they really brought their A game. And honestly, I'm – very happy they did because, as Garrett said, it was extremely gratifying to watch Coach O just lose it on the sidelines. Well, yeah, I think after last year, you got to think that, right? I mean, they, they uh, to their credit, won the game last year, but the way they handled themselves after with, um, you know, the celebration on the, on the middle of the field, the, the not-so-pleasant talk in the locker room from Coach O, the walking up to recruits, it was all leading to the fact that LSU needed to pay for what they did in Tuscaloosa last year. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, so I just want to start off getting into individual player talk here. Um, so Mac Jones overall was 20 for 28, 385 yards. He was averaging 13 yards a play, and he had four touchdowns, no interceptions, with a total QBR of 99. Six. Now, here's a stat for you just quick, uh, and this is a little teaser for part two in the Heisman talk, but Kyle Trask yesterday, or I'm sorry, Kyle Trask this season has 130 more passing yards than Mac Jones. 
Kyle Trask has thrown the, has attempted to throw the ball 322 times while Mac Jones has tried to throw the ball 255 times. Now, I also want to go back to Mac Jones stats too, before we get everybody's opinion here, but Mac Jones had over 300 in the first half and three touchdowns. So Ryan, what do you think about Mac Jones yesterday? I think that Mac Jones was complimented with a great performance by Damian or by uh, Devontae Smith. Yeah, I would 100% agree. Uh, Smitty kind of balled out there. Uh, and Ryan kind of getting ahead of me here, but let's go to it. Devontae Smith, eight receptions, 231 yards, and three touchdowns, including one touchdown at the end of the half. That might have been the most impressive catch of the year. And one of the most impressive catches I've seen in a while. Harrison, any thoughts on Devontae's play yesterday? Yeah, I mean, like, I think Smitty, ever since he kind of blew up on the scene, second and 26, catching that ball from Tua, has just been continually improving every game, every season, and all culminating this year. And we see that Smitty this whole time has been the next Amari Cooper or Julio Jones or Jerry Judy or Phil in incredible Alabama wide receiver and like it seems like the country is finally starting to realize that there isn't an equitable wide receiver in the country like Smitty is undeniable well yeah I mean you also got to look at the stats yesterday I mean he was he had eight receptions for 231 yards and three touchdowns three of those touchdowns 203 of those yards and seven of those receptions came in the first half like Garrett said um so just an all-out monstrous day for Devonte and uh, Mac Jones, but I want to talk about another Heisman candidate, not that Devonte isn't or Mac isn't, but uh, the other Heisman candidate on the team, Najee Harris, 21 yard, 21 carries, 145 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Garrett, let's, let's talk a little about Najee here. He just looks scary. And it's when he's in the open field, our offensive line is easily one of the best in the nation. I think the only team that has a better offensive line than us would be Kentucky. So I think that's what gets him through the line. But cornerbacks, safeties, and even outside linebackers, they can't tackle him one-on-one. You saw it four, five, maybe even six times in that game. He would get hit at the line of scrimmage, and he just bounces off players, and he always falls forward. So he'll turn a what would normally be a negative one, zero, one-yard rush into a five- or six-yard game, which then sets up Mac for second and third and short instead of second and third and long. Yeah, um, I, you said it perfectly. I just think, you know, that's what makes him so special is he turns those one-yard, two-yard losses that they should be into um, really good, solid 20-yard gains, and it takes a lot of people to tackle him. Um, so overall, yesterday, the general consensus, our offense is still rolling. Uh, 55 points, most coming within the first half, 45 at halftime. Um, you know, Barry, just to put the – bow on it kind of final thoughts on our offense from yesterday <clears throat> I think the only way to describe our offense is just electric and an unstoppable force yeah I'm getting used to scoring a lot of points yeah I like it yeah uh, I totally agree uh, but let's let's get moving forward talking about the Bama defense now I want to start off by saying I you know I liked how we played defensively yesterday, but it wasn't our best. Um, there were there were some significant mishaps on defense, not ridiculously significant, but there were some definite definite mishaps on defense that could have been fixed. Um, and going back to that crazy play in the start of the game, where the wide receiver for LSU actually dropped it at the goal line or prior to the goal line, um, 
but nonetheless, that plays a breakdown and that's got to be fixed. But at the end of the day, only giving up 17 points to LSU, uh, you know, 14 in the first half, three in the second half, really good turnaround, had a fumble recovery, you know, defense continues to look good. Harrison, um, any thoughts on the defense? Yeah, I think that um, despite a small handful of significant breakdowns, Alabama defense was as dominant as everyone thought they'd be you know, based on the, their trend throughout this season. However, those handful of breakdowns against an offense like LSU definitely worrisome because, you know, teams like Clemson, while they're not as um, offensively dominant as they've been in the past, still have players like ETN who can blow up a hole and really punish our defense if they break down even just, you know, five to ten times in a game. So Sure. Sure. All right. So let's let's put a bow on uh, the Alabama game. Uh, let's get let's get everybody's three stars of the game and we'll start over here with Ryan. You know, one of those stars is definitely that guy dropping the ball before halftime. <laughs> you never see that. And those are just all it's a total lapse in concentration. Two is Devontae's pass or his catch in the end zone. That was like a career catch that we're going to see for a long time. Third star, anyone that stood out for you other than those two? Alabama kicking game. We didn't, we didn't miss anything. It's been a great season. Ryan, I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my star of the game, obviously behind Mac and Najee, who are just unbelievable and Smitty. Uh, Will Reichard, this season, as much as we know how much Alabama has struggled in the past with kicking issues and how many games it's cost us, he is 59 for 59 on extra points and 10 for 10 on field goals, including two over 50 yards. Yeah. So we actually have a kicker this year. It's awesome. You know, Gary, you kind of stole my thunder there because I'm normally the one who, you know, brings in the kicking game. But I'm glad you said that. Yeah, Will Riker's being perfect this year. Um, and that's, that's, that's a big testament to us because that's something we've lacked in the past few years and kind of been a difference. Uh, Barry, your three stars for the game. So I'm planning on avoiding the obvious, like Najee and Mack and Devontae, and I think I'm going to give the three stars of three personality stars, basically the three people that I think showed up with the most tenacity and, like, the mindset of we're going to win no matter what. I like that I think, approach. I think Landon Dickerson. Yep. I love watching him play. Aggressive. He gets people's face. It's kind of funny sometimes, not going to lie. And he just plays till the whistle. And I'm a fan. Second, I would say it would probably be either Malachi Moore, Patrick Sertan, Josh Job, the cornerbacks. That was our big, you know, question mark at the beginning of the season. But I think that their ability to cover, their ability to – to be a good quarterback, you kind of have to be a little bit arrogant because you're oftentimes on an island. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> these guys really bring tenacity to say, yeah, I'll guard you, and you're not going to catch a ball. And if you catch a ball, you're not going very far. I think those guys bring it every single game, and they're definitely earning the star this week. And I think my, my third star, you know, it's got to be Najee. Yeah, I said I was going to avoid him in the beginning, but it has to be Najee because he brings that tenacity every single play. I think, I think whenever he gets tackled for a loss, I think it hurts him. Yeah, it, it digs, it digs deep, hurts him deep because it takes it personal. Takes it personal, exactly because he wants to, you know, 
there was this one play in particular that that screen where Mac held on to it for a little while because he couldn't necessarily find him. And I think he made two or three defenders miss, and it was a third down. It was a big down. And we ended up getting, you know, seven or eight yards on that play. When in reality, probably could have been, you know, get back to line of scrimmage, fourth and two, you're in the punk game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Harrison, real quick, your three stars, and then we'll start getting into the week 14 recaps. Yeah, so this is going to sound like I'm just – uh, parroting Barry here, but I kind of agree with him on a lot of these points. So first off, Landon Dickerson, he's incredible. He is the whole energy of the offense, I think. Um, I mean, not only is he just like a phenomenal offensive lineman, but like his energy every play, his willingness to have a smile on his face in the trenches just sets an attitude that I think um, uh, permeates the whole offense. Uh, Dylan Moses, uh, similar to what Barry said, but I'm going with the linebackers. Um, we had linebacker issues last year that were really exposed against LSU, and Dylan Moses had a few incredible tackles um, that stopped um, further breakdowns on defense. And also, you got to give it to Najee Harris. I think that there's not a, I mean, the same with Smitty. There's no other running back in the country that is on the same level as Najee Harris. He's so experienced. He's so complete. He's so put together. Um, I, I don't. I mean, unless you guys can think of one, I don't think there is. No, I mean, there's some comparable ones with ETN and um, the kid from Iowa State. But Najee just plays different because he's so great out of the backfield as a receiver. Mm -hmm. I think that's what sets him apart. So uh, great win by Alabama. We got revenge. It's exactly what we were looking for. Um, And we got to focus in the next week. So that being said, let's get into some week. 14 recaps. Uh, We'll start here with number 25, Louisiana playing Appalachian State. This game was really weird, and there wasn't that much to talk about um, other than the fact the long snapper might have some controversy. Uh, Five blown long snaps ended up leading to Louisiana taking a safety at the end of the game. Regardless, Louisiana comes out with the win. Um, You know, weird Friday night game, nothing much to talk about here. So let's start Let's start on Saturday now. Uh, number 15, Oklahoma State taking on TCU. TCU was the favorite here, and not a lot of people knew why, and I guess we see now. Um, TCU takes the win 29-22. to 22. Garrett, why don't you, wh- what did you think about this game? It was, it was definitely a little weird to watch. The Big 12 is just – I hate to call them disappointments, but they beat each other up. And it's not like the SEC and the Big 10 in the past where they've been good teams beating each other up. They're just mediocre teams who can't play defense, knocking each other out of the playoff. Like, there's not much else to say about Oklahoma State than they're a mediocre team. I have no idea who thought it was okay to rank them top 15. Yeah, you know, after their loss with Oklahoma, uh, you just got to wonder. Now, I know, you know, it's just tough because they they have the potential to be good, I think, especially with the talent of Tylen Wallace on the outside. He's a really good receiver. You know, Chuba Hubbard, uh, he's good too. So I I don't know. Oklahoma State's in a weird place right now, and maybe it's Gundy, maybe it's not, but the Big 12 just looks really weird this year. Uh, thank you, Garrett, for that. So next game we're going into is we're going to go into Syracuse and number two, Notre Dame. Um, so, uh, Notre Dame gets a win here, 45 to 21, a uh, little less points than everybody expected, but Notre Dame continues to hang, hang on to that, uh, number two spot. Ian Book's starting to play like a Heisman contender. Harrison, you want to jump in on this? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like this box score looking very similar to the Alabama box score really says something about the competition difference between the SEC and the ACC. Um, not to the little Syracuse and their valiant effort against Notre Dame, but I take LSU over Syracuse 10 times out of 10. And the fact that Notre Dame let Syracuse put 21 on the board, I think says something about a team that's supposed to be focused on defense. Um, Talking a lot of trash about Syracuse, bro. We're a quality. I mean, they they score, but like I'm just saying, I I think this just once again shows that the competition level in the SEC is so much higher than that in the ACC, and it's very that look like a great team when you don't play very challenging teams. Whereas that one in ten record really reflecting how good of a team you guys are, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, listen, I mean Notre Dame. Notre Dame's looking great right now. You can't argue them. They're number two. They play good defense. Now, we'll see what happens when they play Clemson soon. But as of right now, it's it's the same old story. If you're ranked high, you don't lose. You can't really have a lot to complain about. So, you know, whatever. Uh, let's go to the next game here. Clemson, number three Clemson, going into, or going into Virginia Tech. People are hoping for an upset. This was everything but that. Ryan? This is Clemson's annual tour day, whatever. And the ACC is not as competitive as the SEC. Yeah, and, uh, it seems like we all see, think that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a weekly occurrence for Clemson at this point. I think this game was close in the first quarter, maybe halfway to the, through the second quarter, simply because you know, it, was, it was at Virginia Tech. And when you're playing you know, a top three team and you're not ranked, I think – that first, you know, 15, 15, 20 minutes can really be influenced by emotion. And, you know, you can skill, skill level is almost unbalanced. Obviously unbalanced, but the effort level sometimes is balanced because it's their national championship when they play a good team like that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that kept Virginia Tech in the game and probably took a few points off Clemson's final score, but, you know, couldn't last in character attack game, which is what you see here. Yeah. Did you um, guys watch this game? Yeah, we did. Um, did you see what happened right before halftime? I think that actually changed the game a little bit. Yeah. Virginia Tech with the 44-yard pass, but he got tackled on the half-yard line. Yeah. That would have put him into halftime tied. Uh, the, the Hail Mary. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I just – Virginia Tech had no chance going into this game. Uh, I want to touch on something quick uh, just to tee up the Heisman conversation in part two. Uh, so Trevor Lawrence was 12 for 22, 195 yards, one throwing touchdown and one interception. However, uh, he did back himself up. He had seven carries for 41 yards and two rushing touchdowns on the day. So I ended up with three. But, you know, not not the normal kind of run, then gun um, Trevor Lawrence, more so keeping it on the ground, which – was more so a testament to how Virginia Tech was playing them, I think, um, if you watch the game. So, again, another good win for Clemson. Ohio State and Michigan State, and it's only fair that we go to Harrison on this one, but Ohio State wins 52-12. to Harrison? O-H-I-O. I mean, yeah, this is great. As an Ohio State fan, I love watching Ohio State be the big bully on the schoolyard and beat up all these crappy teams in the Big Ten. Um, 
I hope that the Big Ten in Michigan can work out the COVID situation so Ohio State can um, assert their dominance over Michigan and round out their um, very short regular season. Um, but going back to the Alabama game, I really feel like Ohio State, I mean, and Clemson, but more so Ohio State is the scariest team for um, Alabama. Yeah, and Justin Fields is one of those mobile quarterbacks. It's always been a problem for the Alabama defense in the past. However, I don't think their defense is that great, um, but it can get better. Uh, I just want to also clear some air here. Harrison is being passive aggressive about Michigan because uh, Garrett Taylor is a Michigan fan and he's from Michigan, as you've heard. Harrison is an Ohio State fan. So that rivalry is starting to get off already and it's only Sunday. There's no rivalry. We've lost 15 of the last 16 meetings. It's not fun to even associate with Michigan anymore. <laughs> yeah, and Michigan State. Yeah. So Michigan State goes yeah. down. Uh, Ohio State looking good, trying to get to that game minimum for the Big Ten Championship. Now let's talk about the number five team in the country who's slowly but surely building that playoff resume, Texas A&M and Auburn. Texas A&M taking the win 31-20. to 20. Anyone can jump in on this game. Yeah, I mean, A&M continuing to win games. I mean, the fact that their only loss is to Alabama, I think, is really going to bode well for them when the playoff decisions come down. But, you know, the way the playoff commission works, they really need to hope that someone takes a loss. Or Ohio State can't play due to COVID or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess luckily for A&M, you got to think Notre Dame and Clemson have to play for the ACC championship. So, well, yeah, I mean, if you're an A&M, if you're an A&M fan, you're hoping Notre Dame takes down Clemson again, right. and then it's you know it's a whole yeah, it's different two-loss Clemson team get in. Uh, Not no, over A&M. I don't. I don't. I think. I think a two-loss Clemson team, you just can't lose to the same team twice because the excuse for the first one in order to get them in, one if they were to beat Notre Dame is. Well, our quarterback wasn't here, and now look, you know, we won. Mm. So losing to them again with a starting quarterback would be even worse. Um, yeah, a one-loss A&M who has beaten every team pretty handedly and they've looked good will definitely get in over two-loss Clemson. And it'll be really fun to watch Dabo throw an absolute hissy fit about it too. Well, yeah, I mean, Dabo's, Dabo's going to play that whole, um, you know, more the underdog narrative. but. Let's get back to the game here. So Texas A&M, uh, Isaiah Spiller continuing to be a great, great running back for Texas A&M. Kellen Mond looked good. Um, I'll give Bonex credit. He did have a couple of good plays in this game. But overall, Texas A&M gets the win. Uh, they keep, keep on rolling, keep their playoff hopes alive. Auburn, the ship of Auburn is going downhill fast. Gus Malzahn may be on the way out, but we'll talk about that in part two. It's too expensive. He is too expensive. That's true. I hope he stays, honestly. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to our SEC championship matchup. Florida playing Tennessee. We'll see Florida in two weeks. But number six, Florida with Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask going 35 for 49, 433 yards and four touchdowns. Um, you know, keep putting up numbers. Uh, but he played the whole game. Mac Jones didn't. So 31 to 19. Tennessee kind of hung around late, but this was all Florida. This was all Florida. This is one of those games that would have been huge one year, but this year, not it. Yeah, kind of like the Alabama game this week. We just thought, you know, yeah, it, it, let's put it this way. There's, it's, it's really simple. It's, it's Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts for Florida, and it's Alabama and all the wide receivers and Najee. And it's, 
it's going to be a war and it's going to be who can play better defense. And right now I think we play better defense, but not to take away from this game, Florida absolutely dominates. Simple as that. Um, let's go now to West Virginia, Iowa state. This one was a blowout. Uh, Brees Hall, one of the better running backs of the country, just taking it to him. It's completely just a blowout. Um, Iowa State still staying up in the top 10, looking good. All right. Another blowout here that we can go through quickly. Miami blows out Duke 48 to nothing. Um, this was probably a little bit of a product of the fact that the ACC uh, essentially said, Clemson, Notre Dame, take, take a week off. You're playing the championship before uh, people were mathematically eliminated. So we'll talk about that later, too. But Miami looked like they wanted to send a message. Um, did anyone else get to catch this game? Have any opinions on Miami? Uh, I did not get to watch any of this game, but seeing the score was pretty shocking. I mean, Duke has never been a good football team, but 48-0 for any team playing any team is always going to be a good day. I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So It's optimistic to see Miami staying alive after hurricane season. <laughs> you mean the dreaded november yeah exactly yeah yeah uh, yeah okay so oklahoma and baylor uh oklahoma continues to roll spencer rattler continues to roll here they are just con- trying to salvage their season oklahoma wins 27 to 14 yeah i mean oklahoma is carving out their destiny for uh lower end New Year's Bowl, maybe. Um, Citrus Bowl. It's the way the season goes when you're a playoff hopeful and lose a game early. You just do what you can to hold the season together. Yeah, that ship went south real fast in the end of the season. Um, It's the Big Ten Championship. When is the Big Ten Championship? I think it's the Uh, Who is playing in the Big 12 Championship? Uh, I believe right now, as it is right now, it's Iowa State and Oklahoma. Iowa State's going to win that game. I would agree with you. Let's the only conference that doesn't do the, the sub-conferences. Correct. Um, the best two. So let's go into another upset, and we'll finish out this top 25 talk. But we got a couple more games to talk about. But let's start here with this upset. So Indiana was uh, underdog going into Wisconsin, playing at Wisconsin. This was because Michael Penix Jr. Uh, tore his ACL last week. So, but Indiana comes in. Shocks the world, plays great defense, runs it. Indiana wins 14 to 6. Um, Garrett, you're from the Midwest. Let's let's talk a little Midwest <laughs> football. <laughs> Porn stock. Uh, I actually did watch this whole game from start to finish, and Indiana is a good football team. Like there's their defense is phenomenal. I mean, Wisconsin doesn't have a high powered offense. But they only they held them to two field goals. Yeah, Indiana played their absolute tails off, especially without their starting quarterback in Penix, who was a beast. Tuttle came in and stepped. He stepped up to the plate, and I don't know what his stats were, but he played really, really well, and he's the reason they won. Yeah. I think uh, if we if we take a look at this game and if we take a look at Indiana's season as a whole, you know. They're a dark horse. They came out of nowhere this entire season. Well, at least absolutely nowhere. From an average, no, for, from an for average sure. viewpoint, for sure. An average, average college football viewpoint, 
They came out of nowhere. No one really expected this out of Bloomington. But I think they were looking at a head coach of the year, considering how well they played against some really solid competition. And given the fact that they have encountered a lot of adversity, especially with their you know, starting quarterback tearing his ACL. Yeah. Um, you know, everything I watch with this program, it's, it's how great the coach is and their whole uh, mantra of Leo love. Every, I think it's love everyone. I believe is that, is that thing. Um, but it, it, this is a program that kids are starting to see really love to play for just because of the mentality they have. And it's good to see them continue to get rewarded, even though last week they got uh, hindered with some adversity. So good to see that Indiana comes out on top. Let's go now to the game of the night almost, um, if not was, with Coastal Carolina playing BYU. Now, last week we did not uh, talk about this game in a preview because this game was not scheduled last week. Um, it was actually supposed to be Liberty, Coastal Carolina, which would have been a great game as well. But Liberty came down with some COVID issues. And to BYU's credit, BYU came in said, you know what, Coastal, we'll come across the country. We'll play you guys undefeated versus undefeated. Um, this was a great game all the way through. Zach Wilson balled out. Coastal Carolina balled out. Coastal Carolina comes away with the win with a game-saving tackle at the goal line. Uh, with the last seconds expiring, 22-17, Coastal Carolina. This game was exciting. Yeah. Super excited. I think, I think, uh, I think this game kind of brings together the like what you expect or like the main theme from a COVID-filled season. BYU shut out of any, any out-of-conference play, and then they're just 9-0. They're like, we want to improve ourselves. Coastal Carolina came up. They said, we have an opening. We're also undefeated. And they just made it work, I think. And, and on a Wednesday, too. I mean, they, they got this together on a Wednesday and played the final, that Saturday. So Yeah. What was that, 72 hours before? Yeah. yeah it just kind of shows the craziness of this season. But also, given the fact that we even care about a BYU-Coastal Carolina game, also – well, kind of it's entertaining. Describes to, a COVID-filled season. Well, that's what's crazy. I mean, like college game days at Coastal BYU on the same weekend that Alabama plays LSU in one of the most anticipated revenge games for Alabama in a while. Uh, that I mean, of course, it's because LSU is not anything this year, and these two teams are. And yeah, it's it's a testament to the time for sure. So this was a great game. Um, you know, this didn't this didn't hurt Zach Wilson's uh, Heisman look. He's still gonna probably be invited to the to the event this year. Um, but Coastal proves themselves, you, and they keep moving on. Did so, you guys see the video of when Zach Wilson threw the interception of the Coastal Carolina D lineman just abusing him? That was ridiculous. Totally, it was so. I mean, it, it was a lot to watch. It was yeah, definitely should have been a flag, but. It shows that they care. Like, as a coach, you don't want your team to ever get flagged. But the fact that they're putting that much effort in after the play, and obviously it's a free shot at the quarterback, but it just shows Coastal Carolina knows what they are, and they, they come ready to play every week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This this game was like a Pop Warner, like U13 football game with, like, the level of emotion and intensity that came from Coastal Carolina. It was like – I think that teenage boys with a high production value and they were like, we're going to capitalize on this primetime spot in this crazy situation and show the world that 
BYU is a bunch of pansies compared to us. And they bullied them every play on defense. They won the game with a tackle. Like that is the most huge. That is the most effort team mentality play you could ever have. You win the game on a goal line stand. Like that's great. That was awesome. It really lived up to the mullets versus Mormon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cool show. Sure. It was like they were really playing Jordan rules. <laughs> and they lived up to it. Football it was great. Um, all right. So let's just move through a couple of these quick games that we don't need to talk about that much. North Carolina beating Western Carolina 49-9. This wasn't a surprise. Sam Howell played great. Let's get out of the way with that. Iowa playing Illinois. Iowa taking the win here 35-21. to Iowa continuing to prove themselves as a pretty good team in the Big Ten. Um but nothing to talk about here. Great game. Uh, now we got some We got some quick ups. Actually, we'll go to this first game first. So Tulsa, another team that I've talked about and I think might upset Cincy next week. Um, Tulsa wins over Navy 19-6 going in, and Navy will be going into the Army-Navy game next week. We'll talk about that. Um, but Tulsa gets the win. Now I want to talk about three upsets here. So first, number 21, Marshall goes down in a shutout to Rice. Rice wins 20-0. to zero. Uh, I didn't get to catch this game or much surrounding this game, but this is a big shock. Uh, Marshall was having a pretty good season, but um, looks like they fell. So Rice taking the win here. We won't talk too much about that. This was we a blow up. Not what? Marshall. Yeah, yeah, we are not Marshall. Another upset we got here. Number 22, Washington falls to Stanford 31-26. to Stanford improves to 2-2. Two and two. Washington to three and one. Um, anyone get a catch of this game? I saw a little bit here and there. I think it was on during the Bama game, so I wasn't able to um, really go back and forth. But um, Stanford gets the win here. I did not see that game. I like football, yeah. so I tend to avoid the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, so does everyone else. Um, another upset coming in the Pac-12. Whoa. Uh, California beating Oregon. This is Oregon's second loss in a row. Not looking good for the Pac-12. But, 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 but. Jerseys are sick. Oregon uniforms <laughs> this weekend were cold. Sometimes Oregon misses, but this weekend they hit it. They hit it. Those uniforms were icy. That slate gray. Yeah, with the, the green carbon fiber helmets. Yeah. They won this week on the drip contest. But. Yeah, I would say good for California. You know, they're one and three going into December. For them. <laughs> right. At least they're 1-3. Uh, <laughs> we also have some <laughs> Sunday night football that we're actually watching right now. US, USC is playing Washington. Uh, this is a bloodbath. This is a bloodbath. Uh, USC is up Washington 35. State. Washington State, I'm sorry. Uh, UC, USC is up 35 to nothing, and it's there's seven guys tackling one Washington State guy right now. Um, so that is what happened in week 14. Before we go... I'm going to allow each one of my guest pickers to have one minute uninterrupted about what they think about the rest of the Alabama season. And we're going to start with Ryan Cook. Yeah, I think that last year LSU had a golden team. And I think that this year we've got a golden team. I think that Mac Jones has a decent chance at the Heisman. And that will largely depend on the, the SEC championship coming up. Yeah. SEC Championship is going to be huge, and it's going to be a really good game to watch. That, uh, it's one of those games that we don't get to see often unless it's an SEC Championship. It's not really a regular season game. And uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the rest of the season. Very nice. 
Very nice. Uh, I will go next and start this off by saying my laptop is currently at 1% and I forgot my charger at my girlfriend's house. So if I cut out at any point, that is the reason why. Uh, But no, uh, I think we smoke Arkansas next weekend by four or five touchdowns at the least. Uh, Recommendation for the SEC championship game is to take the over. I still think we win by at least two touchdowns, but definitely take the over. It's going to be a frustrating day if you're like defense. Yeah. And then I think Clemson does beat Notre Dame, which drops Notre Dame to the four seed. We'll play Notre Dame. I think we beat Notre Dame pretty handedly. Ian Book is a great quarterback, but I just don't think he can keep up with Mac and our defense is better than their defense. And then I really don't know what's going to happen in the Ohio State Clemson game. I have no idea. If Ohio State's even in it with the COVID stuff. That's true. And I hate it. I hate, like, everyone hates COVID, but it just sucks because if Michigan, like, keeps having COVID issues and they can't play Ohio State and Ohio State can't make uh, the Big Ten championship, it just sucks to think that there's going to be so many people calling for them not to be able to make it. Yeah, they're they're a top four team. I'm sorry. They can, you can say what you want. They've only played five games, but I think they're a top five team. Yeah, I think the, I think not including Ohio State would put an even bigger asterisk on what's already going to be an asterisk trophy. Um, So I think I I totally agree with you. It's going to be a shame if we can't see the Buckeyes at least play for the Big Ten and, you know, prove themselves or, you know, get in the playoffs some other way. So 100% agree with you there. Barry, let's go to you next. All right. So I think being an Alabama fan in the past four years has been a blessing. I am very thankful for being, you know, going to school, going to Alabama during these years. And I think if I asked anyone who didn't go to Alabama, I was like, you know, I thought that being a student and being – Alabama fan during these past four years was awesome, but it comes with a few reservations. I think one thing that I have experienced the past, you know, the past three years, at least the past three years, was, you know, having so much potential and then just getting derailed by one or two, three events, like an injury mm-hmm. or maybe not preparing well for a championship game or, you know, doing a lot of other, like a lot of other things that sometimes you can't control. Dylan Moses getting injured in the preseason last year and having to start the majority of freshmen on defense. I think it's, it's really, it's really difficult to have so much potential and then sometimes fall short to the things you can't really control. So looking forward to the next few weeks, um, I'm just going to be grateful. I'm going to be grateful for everything. All the good things that happen, at least. Yeah. Um, we beat Florida. I'll be grateful. We get out of Arkansas without any injuries. I'll be grateful. Be extremely grateful. And, you know, I'm just – I think we have a really good shot at winning the championship. Um, I just want us to have our best team available when it comes to it. Agreed. That's that's what I want. 100% agree there, Barry. Um, Harrison, let's get you in. And then we will uh, finish out the show here, or at least this part of the show. Yeah, so I'm just going to come in hot from the start. I think that if we lived in a different world or if these players came to Alabama, not at the same time, they would all be legit Heisman candidates. And that is our backfield and Smitty. Mac Jones, 
Najee and Smitty are so undeniable, so complete. They're complemented by a fantastic offensive line, the best coach in college football history, a defense that feels like it finally has a backbone for the first time in four years. And I agree with Barry and everyone else here. It's exciting to see an Alabama team with most of its full roster still together, hopefully getting Waddle back in a few weeks, going into the playoffs. It's going to be good. I mean, we've had to play Clemson in the past with half a roster or less of starters. And now we finally get to show up with a full full field of guys. So it's going to be great. Well, boys, uh, really appreciate you guys being on the show. This was a lot of fun. Uh, very cool to get you guys on the show and yeah, talk about the sport. Yeah, this was lots of fun. And uh, uh, yeah, talk about Alabama football. Uh, I will be right back for part two of this podcast. Uh, so stick around. Thank you guys again. And we'll talk to you in a sec. Hi, this is Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide. And I love 90.7, the capstone. Welcome back, folks, to part two of the fourth and gold podcast. We're here talking all things college football all the time. And with a little change of plans, as this whole show this week has been, uh, we're going to welcome back three of my four roommates. Uh, we got Harrison Cook. We got Ryan Cook. And we got Barry Banta back on the show. Uh, special guests running the ones and twos over from the couch Evelyn Randolph and Gabby Rojas. So uh, let's get it started, um, as we always do. We're going to talk a little Heisman to start. So, boys, big week of football, a lot of stats put out there. Let's get a top three going around the whole table right now. Uh, Harrison, why don't we start with you? All right. Uh, Got to give the number one spot to my boy, Mac Jones. Obviously, totally undeniable talent, and he plays less minutes than virtually everyone else on this list. Yep. Then we got Kyle Trask. Shout out to the SEC. And then Justin Fields. Um, and honorable mention, Najee Harris and Devontae Smith. Both would get a Heisman if Mac Jones was not on Alabama's team right now. Okay. Okay, I like that. Ryan, give me your three. Yeah, I've got the totally biased edition. I've got Mac Jones. I've got Najee Harris, and I've got Devontae Smith. All this, right. This is brought to you by the University of Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess we're going full bias here. Uh, Barry, this is more just to prove that it's possible because all three of these players, given their year and the proper situation, could all pull it off. Fair enough. Uh, Barry. All right, so my one, two, three in order are Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, and Najee Harris. Might be a slight Alabama bias, but it happens. Um, all right, so all good, good picks, guys. I really like that. Um, you know, for me, it's always been a debate these past two weeks. Um, right now, unfortunately, I think it's Kyle Trask, number one. Uh, I think Mac Jones is a very close second. And I think what Taylor and I have been talking about on the show before is that it's really going to come down to the SEC championship on who wins this award and who shows out in that game because there are three or four uh, Heisman contenders in that game. Obviously, the main two being Mac and Kyle Trask. So with that being said, I got Kyle one, uh, Jones in a close second, and then 
Uh, I'm going to keep Zach Wilson in there at three. I know he lost to Coastal this weekend, but he still had a pretty good game. He's still putting up good numbers. Uh, his stock is falling, and there are people on the outside who will probably take that spot in Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Najee Harris. Uh, but that's my list right now. So uh, good list all around, guys. I really like that. Real quick, one thing that's always frustrated me about the Heisman race is that it's personally, I think it should be an individual award because it is an individual award and give the fact that your team might be not, might not be the best or might lose a game or two maybe three i don't think should really disqualify you for the Heisman race yeah and unfortunately it does right now it's it's, it's frustrating yeah it, like you have to you have to run the perfect season you're like you have to be undefeated or like damn near undefeated yeah yeah it's yep. not like i can have a great i can have a great season I can, I can have a Heisman worthy <clears throat> season, but oh no, my team lost. Right. Because um, our competition was awesome or something. Yeah, it, it's really def- definitely an interesting dynamic of the award. And I've been saying that for a while. And that's that's what's unfortunate. Um, but also, given that, I mean, part of the award and part of being so great is winning football games. So, yeah. you know, that's got to be taken into account. Do I agree with you that three team? Three lost teams, maybe sh- who have a candidate should have a chance. I agree with that, uh, but at the same time, you know there is that winning factor uh, into being a really good player. But that's a really good point. I really like that. So that would be a really fun award to give if we could have like if everyone got trophies. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. Correct. If we could have like more awards to recognize more cool stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. all for it. But that's all it is. It is what it is. Um, so. Kind of continuing on with our Heisman talk, uh, we've kind of thrown some names around here, uh, especially one being Devontae. But who should we be talking about right now in the Heisman race that maybe we haven't been talking about as of late? And I know all of us kind of been talking prior to even coming on the air um, that Devontae Smith should slide in there. And I think that's a great point. And uh, Harrison was kind of the guy who brought this up. So maybe, Harrison, you want to take the lead on this first? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned him in my honorable mention. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you look at his performance this year um, and not to mention his career in general, I mean, his numbers are undeniable. Um, I mean, he's beating Amari Cooper's records, Julio Jones's records, and these are guys that are dominant in the NFL, were dominant in college, and widely recognized as dominant. So the fact that he's crushing these numbers. Okay, so who's the last – Wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy. Isn't it? Um, Just we we can Google this. Isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's Desmond Howard. Let's see what Desmond Howard did. Pull that up, Jamie. Let's see Desmond Howard. Pull that pull that up, Jamie. Okay. Yeah, let's look it up. Last Heisman winner, wide receiver. Um. Yep, Desmond Howard from Michigan. Okay. Let's um, look at his numbers and see if if he could make it. Oh, sh- sugar. Yeah, but I mean, and. I mean, this is a different game of football at the time, but it is definitely a different game. And Alabama does throw the ball a lot, but and not to mention this, Devontae Smith is putting up these numbers against an entire SEC lineup of teams. He has had no tune-up games, no citadels. So let's all right. So in that year, uh, Desmond Howard actually had nine hundred eighty-five receiving yards and nineteen touchdowns. Now to give you some perspective on where Devontae is this season playing only SEC schedule, uh Devontae has thirteen hundred and five receiving yards and fifteen touchdowns and he's still got at least two guaranteed games left. 
That's crazy. Three. Oh. And he had four touchdowns this past weekend. He had, so. Yeah, they, that should validate. Did he have four this weekend? Or three. 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 three, three, three yeah, three. still. That still puts but, him yeah, well I mean, over the mark. I mean, let's look at all his games. Uh, Tennessee, had none, but that we didn't throw at all that game. Uh, Mississippi State, four. <laughs> Kentucky, two. Auburn, two. LSU, three. Uh, and then earlier in the season, as the stats load, um, one, two, two against Georgia, who was the best defense in the country at that time. One against Ole Miss, one against Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, it's... The the numbers speak for themselves, and it's all SEC teams, all the best defenses in the country. Now, Desmond also returned punts, which Devontae is they do because Devontae has started to do that too, especially in Waddle's absence, and he's pretty good at it. Yeah, I don't think we're definitely gonna not see as prolific yeah. as Desmond. So I don't think we're going to see. Devontae I think he deserves much. an invite to New York. That would yeah, I mean if they do it in New York, but yeah, yeah, yeah. or well, however they do it with COVID and everything. Well, it's polling, right? The the like lets them get. That's how the Heisman yeah, determined. Yeah, it's like coaches voters, and people like that. Voters, yeah. yeah, it's like a voters. voting committee. It's, it's just like the AP or the coaches poll. Um, cool all right, so let me. You know, I I know we are an Alabama football podcast, but we do have to talk kind of on a broad scale. So let me give you a couple names to kind of ponder over the Heisman talk, and the first one being Ian Book from Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean Notre Dame is undefeated, number two right now. They beat Clemson. Ian Book is averaging one to two touchdowns a game, about two hundred yards, and he makes plays with his feet. He makes plays with his last athleticism. He's, I just th- I think he's a great player, and maybe we should start talking about him, especially with um, Justin Fields' situation. Maybe not playing enough games. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I can see Ian Book being a especially good long term play. Well, I think I think what we have to worry about or see is, I mean, you know, Kyle Trask and Mac Jones go off, you know, they both have four touchdowns or whatever in the SEC championship. Right. And, you know, Alabama wins, but then you turn on the other game and, you know, Ian books got three touchdowns against number one Clemson with, with Trevor Lawrence, number, number three, three Clemson. I'm sorry. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, he goes off against Clemson, and all of a sudden, Ian Book's right in there with him with, yeah. with comparable stats. So I just think Ian Book probably has to be on there. And then I have one more name here. Uh, Brees Hall, he's from Iowa State. Uh, for, for those of you listeners, you know that I'm pretty high on Iowa State, and it's partially because of this guy. Uh, Brees Hall has been an absolute animal in the past however many games he's played. Um He's leading the country in rushing yards with 1,357. Um, and he's got he's got uh he's got 17 touchdowns right now. Oh my god. That's a lot of touchdowns, my friend. That's a lot of touchdowns. Now, mind you, he does play on Iowa State, who's eight and two and not a big name, but I mean 17 touchdowns on 222 attempts and 1,300 plus rushing yards. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Kids of ballers. The, who's the last running back to win a Heisman? Mark Ingram? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. What did Derrick Henry have his Heisman year? Uh, a lot. We need to see. See if they make the cut. Yeah. Do they pass the Devontae Smith test? <laughs> uh, let's go here. All right. So, Derrick Henry, this final year. 
had 2,219 yards and 28 touchdowns. Okay, yeah. so okay, that's a lot. So uh, that's a oh lot. my gosh! Not to not to hate on resolve resolve, but um, <laughs> well my. I think I put Devontae Lord. Smith in in the conversation before I put him in based yeah. on his numbers. Yeah, <laughs> that's but, incredible. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's insane. A thousand more yards, eleven more touchdowns. That just shows you that Derrick Henry is even more of a beast. Okay, He's so go off real, real quick, we'll move on because we're kind of running. You know, we're kind of running behind here. But Heisman winner all the way around. Harrison, go. Mac Jones. Ryan. Yeah, I have to say Mac Jones. No bias, but Mac Jones. I'm also going Mac Jones. Four Mac Jones across the board. All right. Well, now we're going to get into some college football news, uh, starting with South Carolina hiring uh, Coach Beamer to their head coaching position. Now, this is not old Coach Beamer from Virginia Tech. This is his son, Shane Beamer. What do we think about this hire, boys? Gobble, gobble. What? <laughs> That's what the Hokies say. Gobble, gobble. Yeah, but this is South Carolina. But Beamer Ball, man, it translates. I feel yeah, like it's going to fall. But will they play Beamer Ball? You know, I hope I'm that. Not, I'm not saying that they're going to play Frank Beamer football. I'm just saying I feel like these things translate. I think that he's going to be a good coach and he's going to a program with a lot of money and what? we're going to see good things. So it, it must have been something with. Um, it must have been something with Hugh Freeze's pass that they didn't like. Because you can't yeah. – I, I mean, like, how do you not wait on him, especially well, someone of his success? I mean, also, like, if you got to put your money somewhere, you're trying to really build a program. South Carolina does not have much at all right now. Yeah. Now do you want to put all your money in an older coach, or do you want to put your money in a young guy that you can get a lot of years out of or less money up front? Yeah, I, I get that. But I just – I think I think South Carolina had and has the budget to get Hugh Freeze, so I'm surprised that the decision came this early and not – Later in the season, but they re- they must really like him. So, you know, we can't we can't argue with that. So South Carolina has always been on the cusp of being disruptive in the SEC East, and like last true. last year they they beat Georgia. Yeah, but it it seems scarce that they have much success. Right. Um. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about a coaching. So let's just put the headline out there. There is most likely probably going to be a coaching position for a college football team open in Alabama next year. And it's not at in Tuscaloosa. It's definitely in Auburn because <laughs> Gus Malzahn is on the way out. At least that's what I think. What about you guys? I think his buyout is too expensive for him to be fired. So I don't think he will. Leave. You think but, that his contract is too big? It'll save him. Yeah. Definitely. And also, you have to look at what his competition is. Okay. He's, he's, he's dealing with Nick Saban every single year. Yeah, but that's not like Auburn's not looking for someone to be like, well, you know, we got to play Nick Saban. So we'll go, you know, eight and four every year. I think right now, the best thing they need is stability because if you think about the last three or four years, you know, last year they went to the championship. No, they didn't. Or else you did. Yeah. But last year they beat you know, Alabama, which is like pretty much all that matters. If you're Auburn, and I feel like Auburn always has one of the more toughest schedules. Auburn always does for sure. But I just think, uh, like, at a certain point, you have to make a decision, and because 
Auburn's Auburn's on this cycle, right? It's like, okay, we play Alabama at home. We're going to play them tough, and we lose. Okay, and then we play them in Tuscaloosa, and that game doesn't matter because they get blown out by 100. And then it's like, okay, it's year three. It's it's the third year now. We're going to upset Alabama at home for no reason at all. <laughs> and then go in that same cycle. Like, how many three and eight, you know, 500 seasons in between that one win in Alabama every three years? You have to keep going. I mean, in the past four years, he's at fifty percent against Alabama. That's true. It's kind of the, okay. The yes, the... yes. He's he's fifty percent against Alabama. In twenty seventeen, yeah, they won. That was a great win. They won last year. They won last year. And not to take credit or like credit away, but you know, two is gone. It's Max. One of Max's first starts in one of the biggest games he's played. He had played in until that time. Not to mention. The forty point or the thirty point losses in between each time coming to Tuscaloosa. I mean, they came after twenty seventeen, and Tua had six touchdowns. Mac had five. Like, it. I think from that viewpoint, it does make sense. However, that's probably not the viewpoint of the people in charge at Auburn. I think it also, to a point, it really comes down to if you're directing Auburn athletics, it's, I, I think that Brad is right. Like your decision is, are we happy that we just beat Alabama on a coin flip or do we want more out of this program? Do we want to be back where we were, you know, eight, with nine Cam, years yeah. ago with Cam and actually dominant in the SEC or are we okay with being Alabama's annoying sibling that beats him up every now and then? Right. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about his contract. If it's really too big to pay out, Auburn's probably just gonna sit on it and hope that he does better next year. But which honestly, if they have the same kind of season they had this year, and Alabama walks into Auburn and beats them next year, then it becomes, it becomes okay. What year. are we What are we doing here, man? I think what's gonna be bigger is one of their, you know, the one of their bigger games next year. Um, but they'll have inevitably because they always have a big game early. Um. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that's been will be handled and has been handled, and I think that'll determine his job down the line. Is Belichick a senior this year? No, he's sophomore. He's younger than us, dog. Yeah, he's really young. That is fucky. He's not even. I almost feel like if you're gonna smell something, you're like, I wish you were a senior. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <laughs> let's just talk. You know, this is where the crazy takes come in. This is why you guys are on the podcast. Um, Let's let's talk job openings from football right now. So right now, Vandy is open. Um, you're probably gonna see Texas open. USC's a maybe in in Southern California. Um, you know Michigan probably. So, um, you. Know, what do you think about this? Do you think there's going to be any crazy names, crazy hires, any predictions on any of those positions? I mean, I have one, but I'll let you guys kind of talk would, about it first, or do you want me to go first? I would say this. Um, one thing that I think would be good for college football as a whole would be to get Urban Meyer back in the mix. I think you're going to see that. I think if he gets back in the mix, his two options are – Three options. Number one being Vanderbilt, for sure. Just kidding. <laughs> but uh, Vanderbilt does not have that kind of money. Two options are you know, USC, USC number one. Yeah. And then Texas number two. Yeah. Texas, probably unlikely. 
which mm. kind of leaves USC with the only option. Now, if USC well, USC is undefeated right now, though that's the problem. Out of what, what, three, three or four games. Yeah, that's not a lot. I agree. I think. I think right now, the place but also, but also, he's available. I think it would be silly for USC to not even try because he has a very storied history at you know three or four programs. Yeah, listen, you're absolutely right, and I think you have a great point with like eventually some of these schools. If Urban comes knocking, there's got to be a serious consideration of, yeah, let's get this guy out. Let's put Urban in, regardless of what's happening at the school. Like, the, especially with the Texas job, like, you know, they go they go ten and three every year, which is not bad at all. Ten and two, whatever. That's a like for most programs that uh, that coach is getting paid, but if Urban Meyer comes knocking on the door and it's like, hey, I'll come coach you next year. That guy's gone. It would be it would be awesome. Could you imagine? What would be awesome is if like the power of Urban Meyer went to a mid level college team. Like how he first started out in Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> like that level of team. He's just like, you know what? I'm a little bored doing this broadcasting thing. Let's just go try and build a mid tier program <clears throat> up to the number one. But what would really suck is that if he went to Auburn. I just thought of that. That would really not Auburn be doesn't have that kind of money. They don't have that kind of money. <laughs> and Auburn, Auburn is but what man, so but the thing is what mid tier program does Vandy. Have money. Vandy. You're talking about Vandy the Vandy They're, job right Vanderbilt now. Vanderbilt like, just said Vandy doesn't under, have enough money. No, I don't understand need, about Vandy no, doesn't have enough That's pool. why that's Dude. not gonna happen because Urban Meyer's not gonna go for some you know contract. Is, Football is, teams are what so I was, what I was, what was saying money. is that like if you if you got rid of the obviously the top tier programs probably have enough money to land Urban Meyer. I would say that's pretty set in stone. But what if it got to the point in Urban Meyer's career where he's like, it's not about the money. Hmm. It's, about, it's, about, it's about building something awesome. Yeah, that's of, true. Out of relatively... Oh. What's Urban awesome Meyer would have to have a personality change. But that's anyway. True. Okay, wait. Can I add something to this? Yeah, I was going to say a crazy scenario, but go ahead. Okay, so Urban Meyer. Hear me out. This is the dilemma that you face, my friend. There's three schools that have the money that you deserve because you make a lot of money. South, oh, not South Carolina. Southern California. Location, man. Southern California is where it's at. Pasadena's not Marketing money is right in Southern California. USC is awesome. It's beautiful. But they can't pay you as much as the other guys. And you're going to get taxed. UT, you're going to get paid. All the money to go to UT. <laughs> You're not getting taxed. All the money, no taxes. <laughs> UT is pretty cool. Storied program. You'll probably win a national championship. Large recruiting base too. Mm-hmm. Michigan, the heart. This is what I was going to talk Michigan about. Michigan paid John John Harbaugh tens of millions of dollars to do nothing. You could get paid more and actually build a good program there. Now, as an Ohio State fan, you should absolutely not do this. It would be devastating. That'd be a, a horrible move. It would People be a horrible. That would be a jersey burner. But, but at the you, same time, as though, you, my friend, you would get your check, and you might be able to win national championships on both sides of one of the most storied rivalries could you, in college football. Could you imagine that Urban Meyer, after leaving the Ohio State program, talking up Ryan Day, 
getting him the job, comes in. He's like, guess what, Ryan? You're not winning another game in this rivalry ever until I'm gone. Be like that would be some cr- like that would be some. I think Ooh. the most similar thing is Rick Pitino leading Kentucky <laughs> to a national championship, and then like three years later taking the Louisville job. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, for that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only difference being that Urban Meyer would actually win a national championship. Does Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino has like three. Oh, you're right. Because he's like this guy. Uh, it got, got taken away, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. it was yeah, illegal. But Urban <laughs> Meyer's managed to scan around the legal troubles of his career. So yeah, far, even so though well. he shouldn't. Have, <laughs> yeah, let's, he should not. That's have. nothing. All right, let's let's wrap up this. Uh, we'll we'll do we'll do the reactions to the top twenty five. We'll get our playoff predictions and top six, and talk a little bit playoff scenarios, and then we'll be done. So, um. Let's just go through the top 25. So the top 25 right now, Alabama unanimous number one, Notre Dame two, Ohio State three, Clemson four, A&M five, Florida six, Cincinnati seven, Indiana eight, Miami nine, Iowa State 10, Coastal Carolina 11, Georgia 12, Oklahoma 13, BYU 14, which is kind of surprising, Northwestern 15, USC 16, okay. Louisiana 17, like ridiculous. <laughs> eight, 18 Tulsa, 19 Iowa, North Carolina 20, Colorado 21, Liberty 22, Texas 23, Buffalo 24, and finally Wisconsin 25. I'm glad Colorado is feeling comfortable at number 20. 21, yeah. Uh, so, obviously, the, the top seven didn't move. Um, Clemson's so. really number four. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they have one loss. Yeah. Coastal Carolina has zero losses. Oh, don't do that. Don't Come be one on. of those. Don't be one of those. <laughs> All right, here we go. Start the, the debate. Uh, Give me Clemson's practice squad against Coastal Carolina in a neutral stadium. Just like, what are you doing? All right. Um, so here, here's one thing I wanted to talk about. Wisconsin is still in the top 25 at 2-2. Two and two. <laughs> a, After losses to Northwestern, wasn't first of all wasn't Indiana. even a loss. wasn't even wasn't even like a a close loss. They got their, you know what I'm about to say, but they got their butts kicked on national television by Northwestern. Then followed it up by losing to Indiana's backup quarterback. Trash. Uh, I think at this, if I was on the college football committee, and. I gave my top 10. I'd stop. And they asked for 15 more. <laughs> By 18, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> who else? Who else? Who's a good team? Like, what are other teams that I know? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> it's like that. It's like the bingo machine. Like that's, the bingo. It's basically thing. what it is. Like Wisconsin comes up. All it. right. Yeah. <laughs> screw it. Let's put Wisconsin at number 25. Who cares? No, they actually they actually have all the mascots just hidden in one room and they just pull them out and have them fight. Whoever wins just gets that last spot. <laughs> Why is NC State not? So, so that's that's For eight and three. Yeah. So that's what that's the argument right now is why isn't NC State in the AP people? Okay, okay. Now, now let me defend Wisconsin. Because everyone's going to be like, what? Why are they ranked? Okay. If you're the committee at this point in the year, Wisconsin, to their credit, has only played four games. At this point in the season, usually this Wisconsin team would be like seven and two or six and three. And then none of us would really be like, why are they ranked? We'd be like, oh, yeah, they're ranked. So that's something to consider. Mm -hmm. They're kind of 
inhibited by the lack of sample size here. There's not enough games being played yet. Well, that yeah, I mean that's because of our COVID issues, yeah. But like two yeah, field goals against Indiana. This is the strangest top twenty five <laughs> you've ever seen because USC is sixteen at three and zero. In December, in yeah, December. December, and uh, Louisiana is seventeen at nine and one. So like, it's like, what is this? They've won six more games. Yeah. All right. So obviously not that Where's Georgia. I feel like we should talk about Georgia's. Georgia's twelve. We're at twelve. Yeah. Okay. Good. Six obviously, seven. there's not a lot of um, controversy surrounding the top twenty-five. Um, pretty other than that Wisconsin thing, I think everything is fairly normal. Um, we kind of touched on Ohio State's COVID issues, so we're going to skip over that. Basically, Ohio State doesn't play Michigan this week. They're ineligible for the Big Ten Championship, barring the Big Ten changing the rules, which probably will happen. <laughs> um, so we'll keep you updated on that. Now, finally, let's let's, let's kind of continue this. Let's go playoff predictions. Everybody give me a top four, and then we'll start kind of debating it. So, Barry Banta. I think it's good. I think right now, Alabama beats Florida. Obviously, Arkansas, Alabama, and is number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think, will end up being Clemson because mm-hmm. they'll probably beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. Followed by, I think, Ohio State's probably going to get in at number three. Okay. And then Notre Dame will finish it out at four. So you have Clemson, too. So if Clemson beats Notre Dame, you have them at two. Yeah. Ryan? Well, I so I, I like to think of this like you get each conference champion gets at least one in, mm-hmm. and then you might get a bonus. Yep. You know, usually the SEC has a shot at getting two in, but probably not this year. Um, Because Texas A&M probably doesn't have a way to play in the SEC championship behind us in the SEC West. No, we clinched it. Yeah. The got- SEC championship is set. Yeah, so so they don't get to play in their championship game. So I think that Alabama gets SEC bid. I think that Clemson wins the the uh, ACC championship. He gets their bid. I think that Ohio State gets in as the Big Ten, and I think that the fourth goes to a Notre Dame, who lost. Harrison. Yeah. So Alabama stays number one. Notre Dame beats Clemson. Uh, so they take number two, Ohio State. The Big Ten fudges some rule change. They get in at number three. A&M takes four. And then you get Clemson, UF at five, six. And you can just pick whoever you want at five and whoever you want at six. Okay. I like that. Um, <clears throat> so what's interesting about that and what's going to be crazy about that is if that scenario is true, if Texas A&M does get in at four and Notre Dame does beat Clemson, Alabama will be number two. Why do you think that? Because they're not going to play Alabama versus A&M again. But they can't just then move us even though we won our conference and we're undefeated. Okay, okay. But hear me out. Hear me out. We would be number one having good wins against Texas A&M, who would be four. Florida, who would be six, (laughs) right? Notre Dame's two key wins, opposed to those, are number one Clemson and number three Clemson. With or without Trevor Lawrence. One without and one with. That means we have to play Ohio State. Right. So then we you would play really Ohio think State. Notre Dame would be number one? 
they can yes. make the case. No, I, 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 I think that would 100% be right. Because they could get the better game that they want on TV because, and they could make the case argumentatively. Because it's easier to make the case for Notre Dame to jump Alabama than it is for Texas A&M to jump Ohio State. Wow. I don't think so. Well, they're not going to play Alabama, so. Texas A&M again. They we can't will. They wouldn't. I don't think they will. They 100% would. Make, they have never makes, done that. They make, ever. Like, but, ever. Yeah. But they're just from a money standpoint. They make more money because there has yet to be a single out-of-conference team this whole year besides BYU. Who cares? No one wants to see. They no want to see want, yeah. conference on conference now. So I kind of agree with Mraz. I think I think the ranking would move. If I mean, they would them. have conference versus conference with the Notre Dame and Ohio State or, or, or the Bama Ohio State. It's not. They would have, they'd have two out of conference. No, no, no. But the fact, but Notre Dame, you can't look at Notre Dame and say, all right, they beat Clemson twice. Maybe we're just overestimating how good Clemson is. And not. That's fair, but what I'm saying is on paper, like they're, they will, will not put two SEC teams against each other in the first round. It won't happen. I think you guys have already played. It, it won't happen because the year that. How corrupt the whole situation is. Because oh, these guys, yeah, I think they bury us. These guys, yeah, these guys unless I, my mind isn't corrupt. No, 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 enough these guys understand. definitely like when you, when you pick one through four, aka the only ones that matter. You're not picking them in a without an outside eye looking in. You're going to pick them, and you're going to tell people what the results are. And there's no way you keep your job if Alabama undefeated kicks everyone's ass. Suddenly, out of nowhere, after being number one for months, suddenly is number two without losing a game. This happened. Last but this year is. That, but that's this, you make the same argument for Notre Dame. Though. Like Notre Dame is undefeated, kicking everyone's butt, and then they beat Clemson, who's a higher rank than Texas A and M or Florida. By how many spots? It depends on when. One, one, two, like it's four, five, six. It's four, five, six right now. But what I'm saying is, anyone can look. At the two teams, no one given their resume, Auburn, eventually Florida, Georgia. Didn't this AKA. happen two years ago? Two years ago, Clemson leapfrogged Alabama in the standings. We hadn't lost a, a game, and and, had that. but we had a close game. I forget who too. We dropped a two, and Clemson leapfrogged us. So they'll play with the rankings to make the TV, the matchups work better on TV. Also. I mean, like you don't necessarily have to lose a game to drop when you're talking about one, two, and three. I think. And let's be honest, that like 2017, yeah, we didn't play in our conference championship, but we were by far one of the best four teams in the country, and we were leaps in bounds better than that Baker Mayfield Oklahoma led team. Yeah, leaps in bounds, and they put us in the four spot, which is fine because it was easier to justify Alabama in the four spot without them winning their conference championship than moving Georgia up to the one spot. Because Georgia then got pushed to the two, Alabama was the four, so then Georgia had to play Oklahoma and Alabama had to play Clemson. Instead, it probably would have been 2-3 Alabama-Georgia. But they they switched it because no one's going to want to watch Alabama-Georgia in the first round. No one wants to see SEC on SEC. I think you would. I, well, well that, yeah, eventually, yeah. but like I would love to play A and M again. For the record, I hope. Wait, wait, for the record, I hope A and M four, Alabama one. We play A and M again. That's a great, great yeah. first round of the playoffs for me. All right, so w- let's just let's get crazy here. 
So we already are crazy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Alabama about. gets pushed from one to two. Dude, Dude it's so possible. Um, <laughs> Alabama, the precedent set. I don't think it is. Okay. Okay. I agree to disagree. Listen, I don't want Alabama to go to two, and nor do I think they will. But I'm just saying, in that scenario, it's very possible. So let's just play out some scenarios here. Alabama beats Florida. Okay. Alabama's in at one. Notre Dame beats Clemson. Notre Dame's at two. Ohio State or one. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't one matter. Or two. What does, doesn't matter. <laughs> Ohio State messes up. Can't play Michigan. Big Ten doesn't change the rules. Ohio State's out. No, oh, don't say it. Which is horrible, and I think that would be a travesty because I think I do think Ohio State's one of the best four teams in the country. I think they absolutely deserve a spot. But let's just say they're out, right? So now there's two spots that we have to fill. You you have to choose between eight and one A and M. Eight and no Cincinnati, eight and one Indiana, eight and one, or ten and one Miami. Four for those two spots. Who are you picking and why? Uh, I think they should put in Georgia, just to make it two lost team. I know that they're two lost team, but just to make it you know consistent, you put in Georgia, Alabama, kick Georgia's ass. Again. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, I mean, out of those four, the ultimate, the ultimate goal of deciding to move. On from the BCS and do the playoff was to make it, I guess, technically more fair. Air quotes on that. No, it's just to to get to get more than two. Well, it would get more than two, but it would also it would give a four seed the ability to play for the national championship. Correct. Right. So I think, given the fact that I'm trying to spread it out amongst the conferences or give more people options or chances, I think they might go Cincinnati. Well, you get two, you get two of the two out of those four, four. teams. Cincinnati at four. Okay, so who's that three? Texas A&M. Okay. Or maybe Florida. Uh, well, Florida would have two losses. Yeah, Florida, right. fine. yeah. I would go also A and M Cincy. A and M goes in because they have a harder schedule than Miami. Just SEC. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati. I say I piggyback Barry's idea because everyone says the playoff is supposed to level the playing field. So you give this garbage conference undefeated team, you put them in there at three or four, it doesn't really matter. And then you let them get trounced because they will get it. I know Dane did. Yeah, you will you will let them lose horribly. And then everyone will have the lesson for a couple of years that it's not worth considering these teams from nobody conferences, despite their undefeated record being in the college football playoffs. It's a waste of space. Well, I was gonna say the same thing as Harrison. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that mean, Let them die on their sword. So I think Alabama goes one. I think Notre Dame goes two. And in this scenario, I th- I have Texas A&M playing Notre Dame at, th- at the three seed. I don't even think – I don't think Cincinnati is going to finish the season undefeated, to be honest with you. I think they're going to lose this week. Tulsa. To Tulsa. Tulsa bandwagon. Well, Tulsa's beaten every other good team in the in the American, so they might as well finish game. it out. That's, that's the best game this weekend. I know. <laughs> so they might as well just end it. And I think – you put Miami in there, and here's the reason. I like Miami. I think Miami is scr- scrappy right now, especially with the whole ACC putting in Clemson and Notre Dame automatically, even though Miami wasn't technically um, mathematically eliminated. Now Clemson was going to play Florida State and most likely win, but I think this pissed them off a little bit. And I think if if this scenario, this crazy scenario were to happen and Clemson loses, I would 100 – I mean, Alabama would – Beat them by 25. But I would love to see Miami come in and be like, yeah, we can fill the shoes. Like, Clemson sucks. 
and kind of try to show themselves. And now, mind you, they'd be in the four seed and they would get absolutely demolished. But I'm way more cool. excited for Alabama Miami than I am for Alabama Cincinnati. Alabama Cincinnati, I might fall asleep. Well, it's ju- it's it's more so just because Alabama Miami sounds better, right? I mean, they're two yeah, story awesome. programs, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Like Alabama and Cincinnati, you would think is an <laughs> 11 a.m. kickoff the week before we yeah. play Auburn in a normal season. It's a good point. <laughs> Pretty so, cool. what even is what's Miami's record? How are they doing this year? They're eight, eight and one. Eight and one. Eight and one. Who's their one loss to? Clemson. Yeah, I mean, you your only loss is a Clemson. They dismantled Duke, like dismantled Duke, and like yeah, whatever mm-hmm. it's Duke, but like oh my god, they were like, I think towards the end of that game, I think the last the last fourth quarter, I caught like a few highlights while we were watching the game because we had that game, we had that game on. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just, I think the the score was inflated because Duke had to be hyper aggressive throughout the entire second half, and that kind of bit them in the butt. Yeah, because more turnovers, I just, less time of possession. Yeah, yeah. Again, it is Duke. Yeah, no, I get it. But I just want to throw one more monkey wrench in there quickly as Barry drops his phone everywhere. Um, just kidding. Uh, I just want to throw one more monkey wrench in there before we get out of here. Indiana, technically, if Ohio State cannot play in the Big Ten Championship, will advance to the Big Ten Championship. Does Indiana winning the Big Ten with one loss make any difference? Over a Miami team who has one loss and didn't play in their conference championship. So, like, in this scenario, Clemson would be in. Clemson and Ohio State would be out. You think so? Yeah. Instead of Miami? Yeah, I think that... Or think, yeah. Instead of Miami-Cincinnati combo? I think that's... The Big Ten, the big ten champ has to go. Yeah, they pay their dues. Yeah, exactly. I think that's uh, the playoff working out. If you're a one-loss champion of the SEC, the ACC, or the Big, big ten, ten, you, you should it. get a bid to the playoffs 95% of the time. Now, what would make this... Unless you're Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> now, what would make this season a little bit more interesting... Is if the Pac-12 was in any way, US, USC goes undefeated. No, 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 no. There's not enough time for they USC. play themselves. There's not enough time for USC to come back. They get in with two wins, <laughs> but like, I mean, they would if be. The Pac-12 was at all even a smidge relevant in the college football discussion. It's not. Yeah, it's not relevant. At it's all. sad. I love how we always. Like, I dream of a four conference playoff. That'd be great. SEC, yeah. ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, all and everyone else is just However, left out. That was the scenario yeah. in 2017. You wouldn't have been. Well, yeah, but and we in were, this dream scenario, we're the one seed as the SEC champion. <laughs> <laughs> the so, Pac-12 is the four seed. <laughs> so, like, we're always. <laughs> yeah. No, I just think I think we need to. I think especially with this kind of playoffs, we really need to evaluate what. How are we picking? Is it is it the people who win their conference? Or is it the four best we think it is? Because I think it's the eye test. Yeah, it's always the eye test. That's what everyone says on every sports show. But who the hell <laughs> actually knows what the eye test is? Like, I can tell you right now that Texas A&M is better than whoever wins the Big 12, whoever wins the Pac-12, and whoever comes in second in the Big 10. Like, okay. Maybe first in the Big 10, depending on who it is. Depending on if Ohio State can get in or not. Yeah. So... What is the eye test? Because at the end of the day, the eye test is the eye test shows us one thing: the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve should never be in the playoffs, <laughs> ever. Because what have we seen? 
Washington came in, got beat by 40 by Alabama. Oklahoma came in, got beat by 40 by pretty much everyone they played except for Baker Mayfield's year. But they went to overtime. I think uh, I think the playoff precedence isn't that important or even plays a factor. Because, like, you know, if you're, if you're rolling dice or, like, if you're playing flipping a coin, it doesn't matter what happened the previous time. It's just, it's a new role. It's a new year. Uh, I just think that's ridiculous. It, it is not a court of law. It's driven by money. Let's so. let's just put it this way. There's been there's been technically two conferences who have won the national championship in the past five years, ten five years, six years. I think those are five good years for those two conferences. Yeah, yeah. but really it's one conference because it's it's anyone from the SEC and Clemson who's SEC alternate. What about Ohio yeah. State, dog? Ohio State won in twenty fourteen. Yeah, they won the first year. So after that, it's so been it's been Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, LS or Alabama, Clemson, LSU. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably still at the end of the day think that the eye test is the most important test because I want to watch good football, and you shouldn't just get in because your conference isn't that good. Yeah, you should get in because you're a good football team. It just so happens that most of the time. You know, if you can finish one or two in the big three, you it's pass just, the eye test too. It's just it's it's. I'm sure it's frustrating for all the other programs that aren't Alabama, yeah. Clemson, Ohio State, and whatever the four team is. I can't say like Oklahoma, Florida, yeah, Georgia, Florida. Oklahoma, something like that. It's hard to tell anyone else besides those five or six teams that you have a chance. Yeah. At the college playoff because you don't because you don't you don't but you especially didn't in the BCS. But it's also one of those things where it's like we're playing by like you know those teams Clemson Alabama Ohio State like everyone's playing by the same rule book. Yeah, you can't like, really you be upset that these teams are undeniably year in year out so good. Okay, well, this takes like, us right back to to UCF yeah. that one year. Yeah, yeah, but so not, like it takes us not. right back there. All right, boys, this has been a really good discussion, but. This has been a 45-minute part two, so this is going to be a doozy for our listeners. Um, so I really appreciate you guys coming on. It's been fun. We'll get you on again. Uh, look out for maybe some new podcasts with this group. We'll see. Uh, but I think our listeners will enjoy every single minute and every single take that we had. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, I thought we talked pretty well. They'll be on but, the edge of their seats. <laughs> We're so interesting. But <laughs> listen, we will be right back. There is still more to come. Uh, on the fourth and goal podcast, we are doing Taylor's favorite part, even though she's not here. Uh, predictions, and we have a special guest picker this week. Uh, I had to pick someone who argued as much about sports as me, uh, and I wanted to do someone who was kind of like Lee Corso. So I got the guy <laughs> who was like closest in age to him. But my dad will be on the podcast for part three predictions, and we'll see you there in a second. Steve. The Capstone, 90.7 FM, WVUA. Welcome back, folks, to the 4th and Gold podcast. And like I said before on the intro, we are going to have several different guests on the podcast this week due to Taylor's absence. And we are now on part three, Taylor's favorite part, predictions. And here joining me for my predictions, you know, when I thought about bringing someone on, for this segment, I knew it had to be someone important, someone who argues with me about sports as much as Taylor does. And, you know, I really couldn't think of anyone else but my father, Stephen Mraz. Dad, welcome to the show. How are you doing? 
Good, Brandon. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and I appreciate that info, intro. I'm not sure that I argue with you as much, but uh, nor am I as knowledgeable about the picks as your co-host, but I will certainly do my best to, uh, to make some accurate selections today. So I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Oh, we appreciate the time. So just starting off, uh, for those of you who don't know, if you haven't heard it on later shows, my dad and I are very big Alabama fans. My dad was the one who got me into Alabama football. Uh, so like everyone else who's guested today, you get a couple minutes to talk about your opinions on the LSU game, the recent LSU game. Well, uh, you know, obviously last year's LSU game was quite a disappointment for us Bama fans and the Bama uh, allegiance alike. So uh, it was revenge, right? We knew going in that this was our revenge game. Um, you just don't come to Bryant-Denny Stadium uh, and act like they acted after the end of last year's game, going up to our recruits uh, and making comments to Bama recruits. Uh, you know, so that LSU got what was coming to them in my mind last night. Uh, clearly, they've taken quite a fall from grace, uh, you know, from a national championship team to, uh, you know, an afterthought at this point. Um, it was a mismatch from the beginning. Um, but what, what I continue to be impressed by is just, the way Alabama's playing defense. We know that the offense is potent. We know that Mac Jones is a Heisman contender. We know that Devontae Smith is a Heisman contender. We know that Najee Harris is a Heisman contender. Uh, offense has never been the problem. But the defense is starting to gel and, and play like championship teams of past. And so it was great to see them assert their will uh, and really take that game over from the beginning. Um, and and let's face it, uh, last night was sweet. If you're if you're a Bama fan, uh, so uh, we put that in the rearview mirror and we move on. Like Coach says, follow the process, and it's on this week to, to Arkansas, and then uh, moving on from there to the SEC championship game and hopefully the playoffs and beyond. So, yep, it was a great. Yeah, so I absolutely agree with your take. Uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, absolute revenge. Uh, you know, you've heard most of our takes. So now that is our uh, last guest's take on the Alabama LSU game. So with that being said, let's get right into it, Dad. Uh, we got a lot of great games this week, last week of the regular season, at least for the SEC. Um, there are going to be games on championship weekend, but uh, for – Florida and Alabama, this will be their last SEC uh, regular season game. Uh, so let's start out uh, with Marshall here, Marshall and Charlotte. Charlotte traveling to tw number 21, Marshall. And these, uh, these rankings actually are from last week. Uh, as listeners know, now that they've started to release rankings on Tuesday, uh, we don't have access to them on our first day of recording. So just bear with us. But these games are play being played. and um scheduled so these are the games that we will pick so starting off charlotte and number 21 marshall i'll let you go first then uh i'm gonna go with marshall here marshall's the ranked team playing for uh, a bowl position um you know uh, a mid-major such as marshall uh, needs to uh show well in any that they have on the national stage in order to position themselves for a, for a Call, and I expect them to do that this weekend. So I will go with the thundering herd of Marshall. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Uh, Marshall's been on a roll this 
past year in this past season and uh, they are the ranked team they're playing well you know again mid-major game like that it's tough not to pick the ranked team so I'm also going Marshall <clears throat> the next game we're going to is number five Texas A&M playing Ole Miss uh, I'll start off here I'm taking Texas A&M um, like I've said on the podcast before I think they're one of the better if not one of the top two programs in the SEC right now, I think Jimbo Fisher's doing a lot of great things. I think he's got his recruits in there. I think they're rolling. Um, and that was, you know, that, that was shown last week in the tough test that they had going into Jordan Hare and fighting, but beating that Auburn team. So uh, I, I got, I got A&M here. Yeah, I think pick. It's kind of hard not to pick the number five team in the nation who has everything to play for, uh, you know, theoretically still with a chance to make the playoffs. So not theoretically, actually with a decent chance to make the playoffs if things break correctly. That said, uh, you know, you, you have to do this a little bit. I'm, I'm not sold on A&M. Um, I think this is a tough ask for them. I think Lane Kiffin will have the Rebels ready to go at home. This is going to be a big game for for – Lane Kiffin, who's trying to build a program there. So I do not think this will be a cakewalk. Uh, I do I do lean and I will take Texas A&M, but I think this will be closer than many of the experts would think. Great. Agreed. Uh, great point there with um, Kiffin. You know, he always kind of shows up with these big teams. Um, but I just really like the running game with Texas A&M and Spiller. Um, so both of us taking Texas A&M there. Staying in the SEC – Going to number six, Florida versus LSU. Why don't you start on this one, Dad? So I guess, oh, yeah, and on. I think this, this one was a route in my mind. Uh, Florida with every. We did. You just cut out there. Go ahead. Okay. In my mind, in my mind, uh, this is a route. Florida with everything to play for and LSU, uh, obviously thought that they would be contending again uh, for an SEC championship, if not a national championship, and it's fallen apart on them. Uh, is on a roll, and, and they're making their case. Um, playoff run will face Bama in the SEC championship game. And this is the idea that LSU can have them. So I think Florida's uh, Yeah, with a little technical difficulties there. But to sum up what he was saying, uh, Florida's on a big role. LSU's not where it is. And I 100% agree with that. Obviously, Florida's coming in to play Alabama uh, in the SEC championship. Kyle Trask, ever so slightly, maybe the Heisman frontrunner right now. Um they have good things rolling. LSU does not. And it's going to be really tough to come off a 40-point loss to your rival and then go to Gainesville and try to pull off the upset. So Florida, number six Florida here, pulling it off by a lot. Uh, let's go next to an American matchup and actually a fairly significant one for Cincinnati. And I've been talking about this game for a while. Uh, Cincinnati and Tulsa. Uh, I want to start this off by talking about Tulsa. So Tulsa's uh, Tulsa early was affected by a lot of COVID. They haven't played as many games as their American counterparts. Um, not to say that they're too far behind, but they haven't played as much. Um, and 
you know, Tulsa's kind of been the season ruiner. They, they've beaten UCF. They've beaten Memphis. They have, um, they definitely have the resume of the American teams who they've beaten and played to make this a competitive game, at least from the spread, if not, you know, overall, um, with that being said, I really like Cincinnati, but I'm going to pick the upset here, and I'm going to go Tulsa because I believe that if anyone's going to upset Cincinnati in the American this year, it's going to be Tulsa. I think that's a great pick, a bold pick, but a great pick. Uh, Tulsa has been on a roll and then been a great team, well-rounded on both sides of the ball. Um, but that said, this is going to be the first place where we disagree. Uh, the Bearcats believe that they belong in the national championship discussion. They believe um, that they can play with the big boys. And this is their last opportunity uh, to prove that on a national stage. So to, to get Cincinnati's best effort here to hang a, a, maybe a pretty big number on Tulsa and then hope for uh, some things to fall their way where they might be able to sneak their way into the national uh, playoff discussion. Great. Agreed. Uh, that's going to be an interesting game and maybe the game of the week out of this slate. Uh, excuse me. Uh, another ranked matchup in the ACC, two teams that, you know, have been really consistent in the ACC and, you know, one of them still kind of hanging with one loss, uh, Miami and UNC. I'll, uh, I'll start here, and I am going to uh, go with the upset here. I like the Tar Heels in this matchup. Mac Brown uh, has really got that program kind of pointed in the right direction, and although I think they believe they were going to have a better season than maybe they have, I think the talent's there. I think they're starting to play their best football at this time of year. Uh, and Miami, to me, is still a year away. Uh, you know, they're building – but I don't think that uh, they have the athletes to hang with North Carolina in this game. So give me the Tar Heels uh, in this matchup. Uh, yeah, so we're going to disagree here again, and I'll tell you why. Uh, earlier this week, and we talked we talked about this earlier in the podcast, uh, but Miami uh, was very upset with the fact that the ACC had canceled uh, Clemson's regular remaining regular season games along with Notre Dame's regular remaining season games. And – Somewhat declared, if not definitely declared, that those two will be squaring off in the ACC championship. Now, uh, barring anything crazy happening, that was going to be what happened. However, Miami sitting there with one loss was, you know, a Clemson stumble away from playing in that game. And, you know, I think although it was almost determined that that was going to be the decision. I think Miami is a little, little upset about that and wants to kind of go show the ACC that, you know, we are a force to be reckoned with and we did deserve this chance, regardless if it was going to happen or not. We still want to prove that we should be playing in that game. And, you know, Miami's been on a roll. They had a shutout last night against Duke. Give me the U. I, I really like the U. I think they're going to play inspired football on Saturday and get the win. Uh, next up, we're going to win hot team out of the Big 12 with number 11, Oklahoma, traveling to West Virginia. Dad, why don't you start this one off? Uh, you know, I, I think this one's pretty simple. Sooner, all day. Uh, you know, the only comment on is that 
thank goodness all of us, Bam. Oklahoma stumbled early in the season, and they're not in the national championship discussion again. Um, I think all of us have been tired of the Big 12 kind of sneaking in there, and then once the playoffs hit, they're getting embarrassed. So, But that said, uh, after some early season uh, hiccups, they seem to be rolling, handled their business with Baylor yesterday. Uh, I expect Oklahoma to roll this game and into the Big 12 championship game and probably play six game uh you know where they've been a staple for a number of years so uh, yeah. i see the sooners here and probably pretty big yeah uh it's it's tough to argue with that uh, they've been you know again like you said they they did get in some trouble early which eventually kicked them kind of out of the playoff talk um and now they're just rolling they're playing good football i think their goal now is just you know, win the Big 12, let's play for a New Year's Six Bowl, let's keep our relevancy, you know, we didn't have what we had in the, in the past, but let's keep our relevancy, let's make a good bowl, let's make a statement there, and just remind everyone that Oklahoma's still forced, just not a great year, so I agree, I think, I think Oklahoma's definitely going to win this game. Uh, another one coming in the Big Ten, uh, Purdue and Indiana, now I want to start this off, um, so last week I picked Indiana, and I believe so did Taylor, uh, against a Wisconsin team. And this was prior to the news of Penix Jr. going down with an ACL tear. Now, Indiana came into that game against Wisconsin and dominated and won very convincingly. Um, so with that, I, like I said last week, I think Indiana's playing inspired football. If you watch and see all the ins and outs of that program and you watch the specials on the coach, that is one really, really unique program to play for. And one that I think is trending up in the next few years. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Indiana is a big player next year, but with that being said, I got Indiana again, you can't, you can't stop. You can't not pick them with the momentum they have. Yeah, that's a solid pick. Good pick. Uh, You know, it's one thing to recruit talent. It's another thing to build the program. And Indiana clearly is building a chemistry there with this group of individuals that is second to no one in the nation. Uh, You know, to your point, they went into Wisconsin, which is an impossible place to win and pretty much dominated that game from start to finish. Uh, Players coming off the field afterwards, uh, tapping the coach on the shoulder, giving them hugs, telling the national media, this is the greatest coach in the the country to play for. Uh, They got something going there in Indiana. And I don't expect them to let up. I think uh, a bit of a storybook season for them. And I think they'll carry that through into this game uh, and beyond. Yeah, we totally agree. Uh, another big ten, we got a couple of big 10 challenges in a row here. Let's go with Northwestern and Illinois. I'm going with Northwestern here. I'm still scratching my head. Uh, this is another that I think has great chemistry. Coach is fantastic, and they've really built a strong program here. Scratching my head over the hiccup uh, that they had against Michigan State. I mean, they had the Big Ten in front of them. They had a chance uh, to play for the Big Ten championship and, and possibly into the playoffs, and they and they they fell short against Michigan State. That said, rebound uh, here uh, against a subpar Illinois team, and I don't expect them having any trouble uh, this weekend against Illinois. Yeah. And, and I think to your point that the natural, the national media is also kind of wondering what, you know, what happened with Northwestern because they were showing signs of life and signs of promise. And um, 
you know, just slipped up against Michigan State. So I, I think that's maybe just lack of experience in the big game and, you know, nerves and whatnot. Uh, but I agree with you here. That's a good pick. Uh, Northwestern isn't going to stumble against this Illinois team. They're too good for that. So uh, moving on to the next game, another Big Ten matchup, Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, I'm going to start this off. Listen, I, I came into the season thinking Iowa was a pretty good – or I'm sorry, Wisconsin was a pretty good team, and they just haven't shown it. They're 2-2 two and two now. COVID's hit them, injuries. Um, it's just not looking good up in Wisconsin. With a start of the season, that had so much promise, especially with a true freshman falling out like he did in the first game. Uh, and right now, Iowa's playing pretty solid football, getting themselves to be ranked. I'm going to take Iowa here just because I think it's slowly going down for Wisconsin and it's only going to get faster from here on out. You know, I'd love to argue with you more, but unfortunately we agree here as well. Um, I think it's been a very disappointing season for Wisconsin who had high hopes. Uh, COVID obviously has done a number on them. They've not played nearly the number of games you would expect to this point. And Iowa's sneaky good. You know, they've been a perennial New Year's Day uh, appearance team, if not a New Year's Six team. Yeah. Uh, that program is solid. Uh, you know, they, 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 they are known, I think, now as tight end university. Uh, they're always tough up the middle. And I, um, to give us the guys. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, you got to give it to Iowa here. They're sneaky good right now. Uh, let's go to one out of the Pac-12 here. And we actually have a couple out of the Pac-12, but let's go USC, UCLA. And I'm excited to see what you think about this. Um, well, it's interesting because at time of this taping, I'll probably about against Washington State, I expect that USC will win that game on a Sunday night, which is kind of odd. Uh, and they'll still be undefeated going into this uh, rivalry game, of course, with the Bruins of UCLA. Uh, USC is a perennial, you know, all-time college football team, uh, storied history in the playoff discussion because the Pac-12 has had their problems with COVID and haven't played a lot of games. But I think they're still relevant and will be even more so going into this game. That said, give me Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly is starting to build something there at UCLA. Uh, I'm going to take the Bruins uh, in what will probably be a little bit of an upset to knock off the Trojans and end their playoff hopes uh, next weekend. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to go opposite with you here. Uh, you know, I, I I really know what you're saying. I agree with. You. I really like what Chip Kelly's doing down there at UCLA. Uh, but with that being said, USC this year just seems to try and somehow find to win games at the end of the game. And I don't know what it is. I don't know how, but they made this a trend of them finding a way to get a victory at the end of the day. And I think you can't argue with that right now. Uh, I don't think UCLA will be their toughest test. Uh, and look for USC to win this game and win the games they're playing tonight uh, and start creeping into the – to the playoff talks, not so, they won't be in it, but maybe that you'll see a UCLA jump into the top 10 or USC jumping into the top 10 fairly soon. Uh, all right, another one in the Pac-12, uh, Washington traveling to Oregon. 
So for me, this really, the most exciting thing about this game for me is what kind of uniform is Oregon going to wear? You know, I'm not a big Pac-12 guy, you know this. Uh, And both of these teams uh, probably play uh, at a level that's not at the talent that they have. Uh, I think they both disappoint from time to time. That said, Oregon's already had their hiccup this year. They'll be up for this game, Um, you know, Pac-12 championship game if they have it still on the line. So give me the Ducks. Yeah, I got the Ducks here for the same reason. Um, I just think, you know, they've already had their mess up. Now they got to just hit a goal now. Um, so I don't, I don't see any surprising things here. Uh, Oregon, 100%. The next game, and this one is a big one, and I mean huge. Not in the sense of competition, but in the sense of will they play this game or not. Uh, we know Michigan is dealing with some COVID um, issues right now. And we know that Ohio State is sitting at that six-game threshold that the Big Ten has established in order to play in the championship game. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk and controversy about what Michigan should do and what Michigan is doing to deal with this. Uh, but regardless of all that, the show must go on. Let's pick this game. Should be easy. I'm going Ohio State. Michigan is garbage, and that is completely it. All right, fair pick. I mean, it's hard to go against Justin Fields. It's hard to go against the Buckeyes. Um, and I've really been back and forth on this one because there's just something in the back of my head that says to me, Ohio State always has that hiccup. Uh, they always fall short. Uh but I don't think it's going to happen this year. Uh, I agree with you. Michigan is just, just can't put the athletes on the field that can match up with Ohio state. So I too will go with the Buckeyes, but it would not shock me uh, if things got a little squirrely at noon on Saturday and uh, the maize and blue hung around and made things very, very uncomfortable uh, for the Buckeyes on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, if they play that, I think that's another big thing, but that's a bold prediction right there. Uh, let's go to the next pick here. We'll go to Georgia, Missouri. Um, you know, I, I'll i take Georgia. JT Daniels is a little bit better than Sensen Bennett and has started to somewhat rejuvenate that program in what has been a very disappointing year that was filled with a lot of promise. Um, in Missouri, you know, they squeaked one out against Arkansas, but – I don't think they have the opportunity here. I think Georgia's defense is too good. I think JT Daniels is good. Um, so I'm taking Georgia here. Uh, complete agreement. Georgia big. Missouri was lucky, very lucky to get away with a home win against Arkansas this week. Had some things break their way. Uh, but I can't see them hanging around with Georgia whatsoever. Georgia's uh, offensive and defensive lines will dominate this game on both sides of the ball, and this will get ugly early. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. George is playing well right now. You can't argue with that. So, uh, next we're going to who is now number 11, I believe coastal Carolina after their big win over BYU, which was mind you scheduled in on Wednesday of last week. Correct. I believe Wednesday. Uh, we talked about this earlier, but coastal Carolina playing Troy going to Troy. What do you think? You know, uh, I am going to call for the upset here. 
I know the Chanticleers are on this huge roll, and I know they had an amazing, you know, storied program win against BYU this past week on a uh, stop at the end of the game that was reminiscent of the Rams uh, Super Bowl win against Titan. Great game, watch most of it, and I really love what they're doing with the program. Something just tells me, ripe for letdown, and Troy's no slouch, so give me Troy. Yeah, I got Coastal here. Um, there's just so much momentum coming off of that program right now. They're hot. They're on fire. Um, and I don't think anyone's going to stop them, at least in the Sun Belt, for that matter. So give me Coastal Carolina there. Next one, Big 12 matchup, Oklahoma State, Baylor. Dad, who you got? Well, you know uh, that I have to put my intelligence aside here and pick only with my heart. Uh, you know, your sister uh, kind of Oklahoma State is potentially her school of choice. Uh, it would cause some serious uh, internal strife here in the house if I were to go with Baylor. Uh, so, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys, uh, you know, tough loss last week, let down, uh, cost themselves maybe a chance at the big 12 championship game, but, uh, hopefully they rebound here and get a win against Baylor and position themselves for a pretty solid bowl game. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, what a heartbreaker last week against TCU. Um, but I just don't think Baylor's a team that's threatening this year. Uh, I think this will be a good one for Oklahoma State, try to finish out the season in a decent bowl uh, and build for next year because they do have a good program going on down there. Uh, and I only see upside, but for right now, the goal for them should be get out of the season playing in a meaningful bowl game and, um, you know, just stick around in relevancy, kind of like what Oklahoma needs to do for the rest of the year. So. BYU in San Diego State, BYU coming off their loss to Coastal Carolina. What do you got? Uh, yeah, you know, that was a tough loss to Coastal. I give BYU a lot of credit. They'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime. They've kind of uh, bounced their schedule around in order to be, you know, play relevant games and, and kudos to them. Solid football team. The quarterback's fantastic. We'll probably be uh, invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony or, or evening, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, I just think too many weapons here. Yeah. Yeah, for, for, for sure, for sure. Uh, I would agree with you with BYU. Uh, you for the for the listeners, his audio was dropping out a little bit, but you know, BYU. What he was saying is BYU is too talented. Uh, San Diego State shouldn't be a problem. BYU is a very talented team, regardless of their loss. Uh, Zach Wilson being a Heisman candidate, it's it's all there. So we're both taking BYU here now. We got a couple of SEC games that are uh, no sugar coordinate. These are terrible matchups, but we're an Alabama podcast. We're an SEC podcast, so we got to pick them. Auburn and Mississippi State, where are you going? And this is tough. Uh, you know that I thought last week Auburn might pull the upset against A&M and they had their chances. I think the season's getting away from them. And I think Gus, uh, I think the program might be getting away from Gus. Uh, that said, I still think uh, too much talent on that side of the ball. So I'll take the Tigers uh, to beat Mississippi State in, in a snoozer. Yeah, you know, 
I hate to do this because I don't think Mississippi State is bad. I just think it's first-year head coach, you know, a lot of expectations that didn't really live up to it. But, again, I don't think they're bad, and I think this program is going to be good and one of the better ones in the West in the oncoming years. Um, But with that being said, I just think with Tank Bigsby coming back from a semi-injury, it'll be full health next week. Mississippi State doesn't do well against the run. Um, so yeah, you got to go with Auburn here, but I agree with you. Uh, and we talked about, the, we'll, we talked about this in part two, but, um, Gus is, it's getting away from Gus and it's, it's time to start looking elsewhere. So, uh, but give me Auburn here. The next game, the battle for Tennessee, Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Where are you going, Dad? Listen, to me, this just comes down to, uh, history. And I know Tennessee has not uh, had the year that they would hope for, has not been the program that they once were. Um, but Vanderbilt has never been a football program. And so I'll, I'll take the volunteers here. Uh, if there's ever a place to get healthy uh, and maybe salvage the season, put it out on a good note, it's now. So give me the volunteers. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Tennessee here. Uh, Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt's opportunity to change their program starts next season. They fired their coach already, um, but next season's where it's at. I don't think that they have any momentum, and I just think Tennessee can manage the game well enough in order to get the win. So, And finally, like always, we talk about the very last but most important game of the week. Number one, Alabama travels to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to play the Razorbacks. Obviously, we know what you're picking, but give us your thoughts. Yeah, here's my thoughts. Uh, I think the Arkansas program is on its way back a little bit. I think they've they've got a little momentum. They've got a little chemistry. Uh, the quarterback has played pretty well this year. And, and I think uh, they might be on their way back to some relevancy uh, that they once had not too long ago, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, that said, I just looked and I found it interesting that uh, – they scheduled this game for a noon Eastern kickoff, so 11 a.m. Central. I'm guessing that the Razorbacks are hoping that Mac and Devontae and Najee and hopefully several other players uh, oversleep because that's about the only chance they have of being competitive in this game. Uh, assuming that alarm clocks go off when they should uh, and Bama shows up at the right time for the game, this gets ugly and it gets ugly quick and the tide rolls yet again. Yeah, uh, 100%. Obviously, we're not – you know, I have no worries about the tide. I think next week is going to be where the defense finally comes together for a complete and full uh, gelling game, ready to go to try to stop that Florida off offense the following weekend. Uh, but I think what's going to come out of this weekend more so is you're going to see three guys on the Alabama offense. We're all trying to find that Heisman moment next week. Um, you know, Mac, Najee, Devontae. They're all playmakers. They really are. And, you know, it's great to hear from them in the media after the LSU game uh, that they don't really care about the personal awards. There's only one award that they're looking forward to, and that's the national championship. Um, So that's promising. But I think you're going to see these guys try to ball out this weekend and probably only a half to play um, and probably get Bryce and some young guys in there uh, fairly quickly. But I think this is going to be an interesting game to see our final 
preparations, plans, how we look right before we have a tough task in Florida. So uh, I think the tide roll early and I think the tide roll big. So Yeah, and I think, I think you make a good point, Brandon, that this might be the type of game where Alabama's not, not going to show Florida too much. So I expect a lot of basic uh, offense. You're not going to see a lot of wrinkles. I think it's going to be lining up and run Najee right, run Najee left, create some play action, let Mac get the ball into his playmaker's hands and uh, get out of uh, Fayetteville with a, with a big win. Yeah, I, I think when it comes down to it, to be honest with you, um, you know, I would much rather be playing Arkansas this weekend than I would be LSU. Now, LSU's not great, but I think Florida's going to have to show a little bit more of themselves than we're going to have to show this weekend, which will be beneficial to us. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think we're going to show much. I think this is all about getting right, staying healthy, and being ready to go for the SEC championship at the end of the day. So, um, Well, thank you, Dad, for coming on the show. You were great. Uh, we will definitely have to talk about your record and see how your picks do next week. Um, but we really appreciate your time. Uh, we really appreciate all the guest times who have been gracious enough to come on the show today. Um, any last words? Dad, for you. My pleasure. Appreciate no, my, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Anything and everything you know about football obviously came from me. So uh, mm-hmm. take and that for what it's worth. Here we go. Roll Tide. Here we go. Well, thank you to all our guests. Thank <laughs> you, Dad, for coming on. Uh, we'll be back next week. Taylor and I will be back next week, I believe, via Zoom. Uh, but we'll be back next week to talk about Alabama, Arkansas. And we'll be full ready to go for a nice little preview to cook them gators. So keep on listening, keep on believing, follow the process and roll tide. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back next week.